Wakefield. It's the Nolan Cry Night Show. We enjoy Nolan. Let's get this week coach Jim Christian to the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the show. And joining me this week, oh my gosh, you know, I was just talking to a roadie legend recently, and I'm talking to yet another roadie legend as well. Now he is at Kent State once again, returning back to a school he has great history with. He's a former roadie Ram as well, but part of the greatest Rhode Island Ram basketball team ever in the history of the school, the Sweet 16 team, never mind the Elite 8 team. He's the one, the only, Mr. Jim Christian. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, man. appreciate you uh, taking some time and, and having me on. Well, I appreciate, and this goes to, to those you work with to help set this up and your willingness and their willingness to want to do this. So this is a great deal and shows the character that the institution of Kent State and you have as, as well. I sort of want to start like this, you know, your field specifically has, has had a lot of, of run-in and effectiveness with the last three years of craziness throughout the, the world and the unsureness of, of the whole thing. Looking back at the last three years of craziness, now that there's a sense of quote-unquote normalcy, what's it like to be back on the basketball court and have programs running again? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun for me to be around it and in a place that I'm uh, that really means a lot to me with people that I really like. Um, you know, my wife is from this area, so it's just great to get her home. And and, and we're excited as, as, as another year uh, tips off. You know, it's been a couple of years since I uh, I've been part of a team preparing for games and, and, and doing all that, even though I have a limited role now. I still uh, just enjoy it. I enjoy being around it every day. And, and the people here have just been fantastic to me. So uh, I'm a lucky man. Exactly. That's all I can say now. I've been curious and I enjoy asking this next question to those that sort of get their idea about and their perspective. What's what's uh, Jim Christian learned about himself over the last three years that he didn't know about himself prior? Um, I don't know. I think the best part of the last three years for me has been the time I've been able to spend with my family. I just think you real, you know, you realize that you're not realizing fully in the day to day how how obsessed you are with, you know, the other the players you coach getting better, the other members of your staff, you know, improving, getting their opportunities and your family suffers a little bit. So, so for me, like, uh, you know, I was only going to go back into this if, if my family time would be the same, you know, I just get, I have two young boys, uh, one's a sophomore in high school playing basketball and my other one is in seventh grade and he's in a ton of activities. So um, to be able to be there for them for three years, I would have traded those three years for, uh, for anything, you know, I mean, it was, uh, I had a, I had a really, really good run 19 straight years as a head coach in division one is not easy to do, sure. but there are some sacrifices that you have to make to do that. And and so to make up to those times for my family as best I can, I mean, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Well, power to you for it. You know, thinking of that on a more positive note, starting sort of as, as early back as we can, you grew up in Beth page, your relationship with basketball was what besides just at, recreationally at a young age. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Like my in my town, I grew up in Beth Page. It was a football town. You know, I mean, people we had uh, we had the same varsity football coach for I've seen like forever. It had to be over fifty years. You know, a guy named Howie Votes, and everybody wanted to play for him. So I just kind of stumbled into basketball and loved it. And uh, you know, when I go back home, which is unfortunately not enough, you know, I'll see people I haven't seen in 30, 40 years, and the only thing they'll tell sell me is I remember you seeing seeing you with a basketball everywhere you went. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's just always been a part of me and, you know, I've been lucky enough to, you know, to find a profession that I'm able to, to, to continue that. So it's probably been a part of my life since I was eight, um, in some facet every single year. So it's, uh, you know, I'm one of the fortunate people out here to be able to do that. Exactly. Do you remember though, a moment, maybe not a specific moment, but maybe a period when you realized sort of your skills were 
superior to those around you at your age, or was it just sort of a natural thing? You know, I think like everything else, I think, you know, you, you, you realize maybe that you're, you know, you're working really hard and that hard work is paying off. Um, um, you know, you, re- and then you're fortunate enough to have some success and then you build confidence. And once you get confidence, you know, it kind of lights a flame on you to do better and better. And it's funny. I mean, and then it happens the other way. Then you get to a point where like, whoa, man, you get to a certain level and you're like, dang, these guys are above me are really, really good. And, you know, so you got to, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a process, but it's a fun process. And I think I, you know, enjoyed every second of both, you know, the time that I played and and I definitely have enjoyed every second of uh, the times that I was coached. You know, with, with success, and although I, I, I didn't play basketball in high school, although when I do play recreation basketball, more of a Norris Cole, Mario Chalmers, Udonis Haslam type of player where <laughs> I shoot up hell of a lot of shots and miss a heck of a lot, but those three players are needed for the Miami Heat championships. Point being, when you're successful at something, not just athletically, you know, you have eyeballs on you. They see the talent that you have. And you being a coach, you know the process of decision day where where people are on TV, athletes are on TV, they have the jerseys, the hats on, then they switch it off to pretend that they're going to a different school. What we people don't talk about, and I have loved hearing this from you know former athletes, like people that you've played with, is that people don't talk about or you don't hear stories about how athletes, high schoolers, kids, 17, 8-year-old kids dealt with that in the process. So when you had schools going after you, you had coaches coming to talk to you to get to play for their program, how did you deal with that? You know, I, I think it was, well, first of all, it wasn't a ton of school. It wasn't that hard to do, but but I think it's like anything else. It's all about people. You know, you have to get a good feel for the people. And is this the, the type of coach that, you know, I want to be around every day. Like everybody, you know, you know, can you identify, like if I'm having a bad day, can I, can I talk with this coach about other things in my life? And it hasn't really changed. I think now, um, you know, I think there's there's a, there's a lot of changeover in college basketball. I don't think it's bad. I think it's not everybody's in a great situation for them. I transferred, um, you know, you know, from Boston University into University of Rhode Island. So I, I'm, I'm always one that understands, like, you know, people have to try to find the best fit for them. And they're trying to do things in, in their basketball timeline. They're, you know, you only get in college basketball, most people don't realize you only get 120 games you know, over the course of your four years, maybe a little more with tournaments or whatever, but you know, it's important to maximize that time and be around people you like and create relationships like I have at both when I played at Boston University and when I played at University of Rhode Island, lifetime relationships that, you know, I'm still very close with. So um, if you can if you can find situations like that, then, then you know, consider yourself a, a person who's made some good decisions. You, you get recruited to go to be, uh, to um, Boston University with by Rick Pitino, who is legendary coach, Hall of Fame coach. What does that say, though, about your ability that a coach of that size or, or of that stature thinks you're a quality player for that program? I mean, I think any coach, you know, when, when somebody's offering you a scholarship to play basketball and says, hey, I trust you to that you could be an impact player on our team and, and impact our program in a positive way and help us win. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's one of those feelings, you know, where, where your hard work is paid off and and and. You know, and people forget that those are the best times, but there's been some bad times that you had to overcome some things to even have that moment happen. And uh, so I just think that was kind of the fruition of me sticking with this and believing in myself and believing in, um, you know, the things that I think that that I could do. And I see it every day. It's a beautiful part of, of me being a coach is every single day you get to see people whose dreams kind of come true to some level. And then if you're fortunate enough, sometimes you get to see some guys who's whose ultimate dream comes true when they get to play at the highest level in the NBA. 
So I think that's the that's the special part of this thing that uh, you know I, I've never taken it for granted. I've never I've I've, uh, I've always been appreciative of, of every opportunity that's come my way. You know, unfortunately, um, coach was uh, coach Patino was not there for too long after you you got recruited to go there. He ends up taking an assistant coaching job with the Knicks with legendary coach Hubie Brown. Did you ever think, for an instance, after Patino leaves, that you were going to transfer to another school, or were you? Ready to be part of that school at B, uh, BU. I think you know, obviously, a very different time. But I was I was part of uh, Boston University. I had committed to go to school there. I loved the school um, at that time. I really did. I enjoyed everything about it. I had met teammates, so there was there was no way I was not going to go. And then, you know, the transfer portal to me is it's it's obviously here to stay, and it's it's part of college basketball. The and I understand that the the right everybody should have to play wherever they want. The one thing that's sad, I think, uh, is that. You know, people might miss out on on an experience that maybe I have where, you know, I can go back to University of Rhode Island where I went to school, look up at that rafters with my sons and my grandkids one day and say, man, I played on that team. Um, I think we're losing a little bit of that, that that school pride that you had. This was this was my school that I graduated yeah. from. If you if you play in two or three schools, I don't know if you have that same connection to it, um, you know, because. Um, you know, I think everybody could transfer once, but once you start transferring multiple times, I think you probably lose that. Yeah. And I'd hate to see kids lose that. Although I do understand, you know, that's what basketball college basketball is and you have to kind of go with it, but you hate to see young people lose that, that feeling that you could get later sure. in life. Your first year at BU, you're under John Kuster and you know, there's returning guards like Sean Teague and Dwayne Vinson for you between a new coach where you have a successful year first year and those two returning guards, what was it like to be underneath that learning tree? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, you know, Sean T was an experienced guy. He had played at the highest level in Missouri. Um, and Dwayne was from Long Island where I'm from just a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive player, but both great people, you know, you could come to them with any questions. They, they made you work every day in practice and, and um, just, it was just fun. It was just a close knit group of guys and, I mean, we had great time. By the way, your knowledge is ridiculous on this. You really looked into this. I mean, yes. uh, those are not names everybody would know. Exactly. And great players at, at the school. That that year, like anything else, you know, although you maybe had success in in high school as a player, you, I'm sure you probably thought, okay, I'm going to come to BU and I'm going to destroy. I'm going to kick ass. I'm going to be this greatest player ever. But you experienced uh, your first year a fair share of wins and losses, like any other player, win streaks and losing streaks. Um, as well as playing top-ranked teams like Purdue and UNC before the game against Canisius in the conference tournament, experiencing the moments like that, win streaks, losing streaks, and playing ranked teams, how do you remember handling that your freshman year compared to maybe later on in your career? Yeah, you know, I think like all freshmen, I think you're just trying to get on the court. Like you're trying to get on the court, and then you're trying to stay on the court. You know, so like but what you learn in practice and kind of what you're doing, like that's the goal. And, and I was lucky. I, I was uh, – I got a lot – I got a chance to play a lot of minutes as a freshman – especially when I was playing with a great backcourt like that. So uh, it, it was nothing but a great learning experience, you know, uh, day in and day out. We had the, the thing we had on that team was a great senior. He's in the Hall of Fame at Boston University, played in the NBA for the Golden State Warriors named Gary Plummer. And, you know, I learned so much just from being around him. He was he didn't play my position. He was a 6'9 center, but he was such a great leader, such a great, great captain of our team that that stuck with me forever. As a matter of fact, the things that I learned from him, you know, I've shared those things um, throughout my career as a coach with with players and just the way he communicated with everybody went out of his way to to develop a relationship with everybody on the team. It's just a, he was just a special guy. 
If your following year is a, another year of, of of it's pretty even across the board position wise between guards, forwards, and, and centers at BU. What was it like on a regular basis to fight for minutes on a team in the in that conference? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, we had a really good team that year, and and uh, we went from playing three guards to four guards. Dredrick Irving, Kyrie's dad, came in, and we were a really talented backcourt. We had a really good team. I thought that was that was that, that was a team that could have won. Unfortunately, Reggie Lewis was in the league at the same time at Northeastern, and I think we would have won it had it not been for the the uh, the talent and ability he had to just on a night take over the game and beat us in the final. Um, so, but a, a great team was in a great learning experience. Coach Kuster still, cl- I'm still friends with him and, um, you know, used him as a, as a uh, sounding board on many occasions. He's just a great, great coach. And, and he had a, a historic NBA career as a coach. You know, I, I mentioned Canisius and you, you played Northeastern granted both were in, in the same conference as, as BU, but what was it like playing against those teams, whether, you guys would beat them or losing them, seeing as um, I'm, I'm sure they were good matchups. Yeah, rivalries are rivalries. I mean, you know, were, I think there was just so many more geographical rivalries in basketball back then, and and uh, it was fun. I mean, every every time you played, you, you knew it was going to be for something, right? It was going to be for the regular season title or, you know, to advance to the NCAA tournament. It was fun. The following year, you, you transfer to URI, similar to a teammate of yours, Mergensina. And the year after, the year you're going to URI, you obviously have to sit part of the transfer portal. That the BU makes it to NIT tournament against PC. Your decision process to go to URI, I mean, it wasn't like they had recent success um, under, no, no offense to their coach before Penders, but what was it about URI that stuck out to you to want to continue your journey there? Well, Brendan Malone was the coach and he was, you know, he was a great coach. As a matter of fact, he, he assembled our team. Um, he had a great eye for talent. Some of the things that he saw in players was amazing. Just a unbelievable basketball mind. Um, so he was the re- main reason um, that I went to URI. I was so, and I really wanted to go to a campus school. Sure. BU was a city school. I wanted yeah. to kind of experience college life at a different level. Um, so it was, and it was great. I met the best friends of my life there. Um, still close friends to this day. So I think it's, uh, you know, the one thing, the, the beautiful part about uh, transferring is you just have a different set of eyes. Like sure. I wanted more out of a college experience than I was getting. And uh, and I, it was just a great situation. You, you sit at, although you're sitting out the year you, you got there, part of the transfer situation, what was it like to see a, a, a young Silk Owens and Tommy Garrick sort of mesh on the court and then eventually help that team later down the road? Well, I mean, Carlton from day one was just a special talent. Like you could just see it. Like you knew he was one of the best players in the league. And Tommy was a different story. Like, you know, Tommy, um, he came in and just, he just outworked every person who come, he came across. And, and he went from, um, you know, he went to being just a, a good player who everybody saw his talent. Everybody knew what he could do, us as teammates, but everybody else didn't see it. And then he just blossomed just through sheer determination, work ethic, grit, um, without question. All my years in college basketball, and this is probably going on 40 years of it, he is without question the hardest worker I've ever seen Well, in every avenue of the game. And that's why when he deserves every accolade he ever got from being an all-conference player to being a first-team all-conference player to to being an NBA player, to all the stuff that he's done is it was completely earned and, and through sheer, sheer motivation and determination. 
Well, what I also like about Tom, and although I've only been once to a, a Zoom call so briefly compared to someone like yourself, is that there's a confidence level that he has, but also a humbleness where he's not overtly saying, oh, I'm better than you. I'm going to kick your ass on the court. He knows that he's, which is also the similar case for people like yourself and others who are part yeah. of that historic run where they all knew where they right. fit on the team and they all meshed together and the ego was put out the door because there was a. Right. So we had a drill with coach Penders. So this went to go on the other side of that, because yeah. I saw the competitive side of him every day, we would play one-on-one -on -one full court every day. I think I was on defense. If you scored, you stayed on offense. I think I was on defense for like six months. <laughs> so, I, so that's what kind of competitive that he was and he deserved it. So he's, um, you know, he's a good friend, but he's uh, like you said, I agree. He's such a humble person. Yeah. And he's accomplished so much. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to consider him a friend. You spoke about Tom Penders. Tom Penders becomes the coach. And I believe it was pretty close to the beginning of the season, if I'm not mistaken. It two, was. I'm sure two different personalities. Tom Penders known as an old school coach, at least according to your teammate, Mergen Cena, but also a great motivator as well. And I've heard stories about that. What was that like to go from Malone to then – Tom Penders, uh, your first year of eligibility on the court. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I think both coaches are unbelievably successful. Both have, were, were unbelievably successful. The approach was different, but that's great. Everybody has their own style and everybody has their own personality. And and um, we had a really good – I think we were going to have a really good team because I think both were phenomenal coaches either way. But Coach Penders gave the team a little swagger, you know, that you know Coach Malone was a basketball savant. But Coach Penders was more like a – he was a guy that just wanted you to have swagger and confidence. And, um, and he gave that to, to the guys you're talking about, Mergen Cena, um, Bonzi Colson, Ken, and Kenny Green was already a ridiculously most talented, one of the most talented players I've ever, I've ever seen. But Carlton and Tommy, uh, he gave their team a little bit of a swagger that, uh, that, you know, that we didn't have. And, and I think it, uh, it, it didn't come in right away. It came sure. in and developed over time and, um, he had an unbelievable feel to get a team up for a particular opponent, a particular game to make you feel like um, when you hit the court, that there was no doubt you were losing this game, sure. irregardless of who it was. Well, that's what I like, too. And Kenny told uh, Kenny said that when I had him on, he said, you know, whoever playing doesn't matter who if they're ranked or if they're the worst team, we're going in there. We're taking the victory, regardless of whatever you think that first year you're able to get on the court and play considerable minutes, you know, your junior, your first year at URI or your first year playing at URI, you get to experience the rivalries, which are for URI, PC, UMass and Temple. Although you went to BU in, in Massachusetts, your knowledge or mindset of the rivalries that URI had with those schools. Yeah. I mean, you do, you know, the minute, that you step on the the, we, the game is coming. I mean, it's still to this day. It's beautiful. It's one of the best rivalries in sports. The, in college basketball, is the Rhode Island Providence game. Um, doesn't make a difference what league people are in. You know, those teams at that time they had gone to the Final Four in 1987. Our team went to the Sweet 16 in 1988. This is a great basketball state. It's, in, it's and people love it. From both schools have really really great loyal fans. Um, that just takes so much pride in the game. You know, obviously the Temple was number one in the nation back then. So that game was big. Um, and it was just, just to watch our team prepare. It was fun just, you know, to play a small part in it, which I think I, my part was very small <laughs> because we had great players ahead of me and they deserved it. Out. And, uh, but just to be a part of it was, was just, was, it was just so unique and special. You end that season on eight and one streak. I'm sure with the hopes of making the big dance that year. 
the team, not just your own viewpoint thoughts heading into the postseason um, possibilities, but the team's possibilities in the postseason. What were they? You know, again, that was a different time. I think, you know, um, we had to play the conference tournament like in different sites then, you know, so I think we played at West Virginia. I think think they hosted the conference tournament, which was a hard place to play. Um, So to get there was, was really, really difficult. And I felt like we, we all felt like we were, we were good enough, but um, you know, sometimes the cards just don't go your way. And just, you know, from, from where we were, the year I sat out, I think we lost six overtime games the year I sat out. We were maybe under 500. Um, to get to the postseason was just a step because we had the whole team coming back and the sure. emergence of Kenny a year later and, and uh, you know, the emergence of all those guys, Bonzi, John Evans. Like, those guys were getting better. You could see it every day, and I had a pretty good – like, I knew at that time that I was not going to be an NBA player. I was going to coach. So I kind of looked at it a little differently. Um um, practiced a little different, looked at practice a little differently and the development of these guys a little differently. And, and, uh, you know, it was just so rewarding because we were a very close knit team, but also, um, just really supported one another. And that was, that was, you know, it was really, that's what made the whole thing work to me is just the amount of respect everybody had for everybody on the team. Did the revenge, not making the NCAA tournament, did the revenge tour for the following season start after the FSU game, the NIT tournament? Yeah, we didn't play well in the in the NIT. I just think that uh, we all knew that if 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 guys emerged and got better, that that the core nucleus of our team was going to be really really good. Um, that those guys now were seniors, right? Tommy was a senior, Carlton was a senior, uh, Mergen was a senior. Uh, I think well, Mergen might be a junior. Bonzi Colson was now a three year starter. You know, Kenny was. You know, if, as long as he could stay healthy, he, he he fought through injuries so many times. You know, as a player back then, you probably don't even appreciate how hard it was for him to participate with his injuries. Um, you know, and now I really respect it. Um, so I think we knew we would be pretty good. Mentioning, I mentioned earlier the ego and the billet has sort of all meshed together, which is, I feel as though maybe a rare breed specifically at URI nowadays, but the ability to all work together and know where you stand, but also know that you play a vital role more than another team. Being part of that team the following year, the Sweet 16, Sweet 16 team, not only what was that experience like for someone like yourself, but also what changed do you think between the end of your junior season to then that final senior year? You know, I don't, I, I don't think anything else changed except for maybe the, the expectation of the team. I think the confidence level of the team. I think we didn't, we didn't change anything. Like we didn't come in with a new defensive scheme or we were probably a little bit more understanding of what coach Penders wanted, the, the key players. Um, but I, I just think the, the, uh, the development of the guys, you know, the amount of work that they put in, you know, uh, to develop and get better, just, you, you could just see it. And then we got to a point where we felt like, especially playing Temple three times when they were number one in the nation and could have beat them all three times. Yeah. I, I just think that uh, it gave our team maybe a little bit of confidence going to the NCAA tournament that, man, we could, we could, we could beat anybody in the country. And then, and then, uh, and then the guys on, then the guy, I mean, they went out there like when we went to play Missouri and Carlton, Tommy, Kenny, Mergen will merge in the tournament. And Mergen had a, I don't think people understand how well Mergen seen that played in the NCAA tournament. He'll tell you, he'll <laughs> tell you, he played pretty good and rightfully so. But um, it, everybody just accepted and embraced their role. And just, it was just a, it was a, it was a great team. 
Now, you know, last year, you I played PC. It was close up until a little bit before PC sort of walked, uh, ran away with the game. This year, they're playing PC at URI December 3rd. You ha- you be- you end up being PC your senior year by a pretty big margin, I see. Uh, a whooping 22-point victory against PC at PC. Sort of walk me through what that experience was like and how you sort of dealt with the craziness that was beating a team at their way. The only thing I remember about that game is Coach Penders being upset we didn't win by 30. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about in the locker room was he, I think he might've been yelling at me. I probably took bad shots at the, who knows, but, <laughs> but I only thing I remember is he was upset that we could have beaten them by 30 at 20 wasn't enough. That year, you know, you end the season, you know, I, I, I don't even know. I wouldn't be able to say specifically how many games you guys would win in a row. A massive win to loss ratio record to end the season maintaining that, you know, you're on a nine game win streak at some point at the second half of the season. How do you remember, you know, Pender sort of helping you guys stay calm, but also realizing that you guys have something special here? You know, I I think that's the genius of, of coach Penders is that like he understood this is a special team and I, and he, he kept everybody even keeled, but unbelievably confident, like, practice the way he talked to the team um the goals he set out for the team like it was never ever you know it it was just he got it you know what i mean like he understood he saw something i think that and i give him full credit for it i mean he's a i think that's the genius of him is he he understood how to how to push the right buttons say the right things um but really just build a confidence in people and make them you know feel like you know, you guys you guys got this man sure. like it was there was never a time that you know we felt that we weren't winning and uh, all the way up to the end sure and it was uh it's just a guess a, there are certain coaches who just have that gift and i think he's i think his he's an underrated coach net um in the history of this college, sure. college basketball because I don't, he's done it at a bunch of places. Yeah. And as somebody who's coached at a bunch of places, it's not easy to do it every sure. place you go. And I, I think that he doesn't get enough credit um, for, for that, sure. you, know, you know, for that, for the, his ability to just get the most out of um, his individual players, but a, but a particular team. You know, although it might not have been the end result that the team expected, looking back and, you know, it took the team another 10 years after that to do even better how do you look back on those two years at URI and the ability to be part of a team that brought URI back up into the limelight of college basketball? Yeah, you know, to be honest, I don't even really look at it from that. I look at it as like, man, I was so lucky to be part of that team um, in any facet, in any second on the court that I got. Um, but more importantly, man, the, the people that I met you know, along the way, the friendships that I created, the people at the school who helped us, like, I mean, it, it, it really, it was a special place because I think um, not only was it special the time in basketball, but for me, just I, I, I grew as a person because of the people that I was encountering every day at the University of Rhode Island. I mean, I really did. I mean, it made me, it made, it kind of shaped a lot of, the, of who I am now, what I believe now. And, um, and just like, like I said, the, to be part of a team that can have those type of relationships that. You know, a lot of those guys I probably haven't seen in 30, 40 years. So whenever you do see them, I guarantee you wouldn't be like skipping a beat because it's just like seeing family. Yeah. 
you mentioned that you know playing professionally might not have been in your long-term goals as a player and after that year in Australia maybe even during that year in Australia that you played professionally how soon after were you planning to then coach and stay in the game of basketball yeah, I was lucky. I mean, it's a hard profession to get into. So I was lucky that my high school coach, Ralph Willard, he got a head coaching job at Western Kentucky. And um, he was like, you know, I need you down here. I don't, you don't need to be playing anymore. So that's, I didn't need much encouragement because I knew I wanted to do that. I knew I wanted to be around the game of basketball in some facet, some capacity. Uh, it was just a matter of trying to find out what. And, you know, now it's, you know, 30 years later and I'm still around this game sure. and still love it every day. Uh, those who have been teammates of yours at URI that have gone into the coaching profession successfully, like yourself, have talked about those early moments, those early years in the coaching profession being within the same age category as some of the players you're you're coaching. That's, you know, I'm sure a, a moment where you sort of have to, you know, take a deep breath and sort of, you know, take have patience with it because you're coaching guys that are within a few years of age with you. How did you deal with going from a player to then coaching guys like that? Well, I, I think, you know, it's, it's an easy transition because you, you're, you love the game and you, and, and you love to teach the game of things that you've learned. I was lucky. I, I was around phenomenal coaches from high school on, from, from JV basketball, St. Dominic High School, uh, to, to all the way through my college career. I, I was around some of the best coaches this game has. So the knowledge, I just was like a sponge soaking it all up and then working with great coaches on the staffs that I worked with. And then you just work with guys who love the game. So it's just, you just, you're just sharing and, and, and they know kids know whether somebody's, you know, excited about practice or whether somebody's just going through the motions at practice. So I was never one that was not going through the motions. I was always excited to be on a court practice in any capacity still am. When you, when you became, you know, you're on the coach, you're now a coach in college basketball, early memories or early moments in this, in, in your career, what do you remember taking away from Penders and Al Skinner and Kuster in terms of coaching? I mean, I think you take bits and pieces from everybody. I think everybody's personality is different. The way they look at things are different. The way they teach things are different. Um, you know, everything from terminology to the way they see certain situations, to the way they put practice together, to the way they coach during the game, the way they communicate. I think it's, it's I think it, it, it's uh well, you know, I was around so many good people. There was so much to take. And then you got to kind of be yourself. Like you can't be, you know, I can't be Tom Penders. You know, I can't be Ralph. I have to be myself. And and parts of my personality have to come out and, and what I believe in. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not only that, it's just other people you're around. I mean, other coaches. I mean, this, this is a, the beautiful part of coaching is it's just a, it's a never ending learning process. And it's, it's, and you can meet anybody and just pick something up from them. I can go to any practice. I can go to a, my son's freshman basketball practice and be like, Oh man, that's a pretty good idea. Or that's something. I mean, just, it's just the beauty of the game. Sure. The 94, 95 season you're coaching, I believe at WKU, there's great, a great success that season for the program regular, uh, not only winning the conference title, but making the NCAA tournament, but also fourth most wins in program history at that point. What was that moment like in terms of coaching? Was that a moment you started to appreciate the hard work that goes into the coaching profession? Yeah. I mean, I think I appreciated every second of it. You know I mean? When you're, when you're a young assistant coach, man, you, you, you're, you're going 24 seven and, and you're, you're, you're working hard on all aspects of it. You're trying to learn and develop as much as you can. But, you know, I was just so happy for that group of that group of kids because they worked so hard to win that championship to beat Michigan in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, it was just, it was fun. I mean, it just, 
when you see somebody be rewarded for their hard work, um, it's a great feeling. You know, after your time at WKU, you you split time between Ohio and and Pitt, where you continued to have success as long as other spots you had in your career. You know, but then during that time, you mentored and and had players like Montego Cummings at Pitt in the Big East. When you go from one school to have having success for a short time, and then going to other schools to have success, what's that like in terms of being now a coach doing that compared to being a player? Um, you know, I just think you you know you're just trying to help in any way you can. You're trying to get trying to get the players as you know better any way you can do it. You're trying to build trust. You're trying to build uh, a work ethic and and uh, you know establish that they can come to you with things and and just help any way you can. You know what I mean? And and and. Uh, it's no different than any other profession. You know, you kind of throw yourself right into it and uh, you try to do everything you can on all fronts to, to move the program in a great direction. Uh, besides spending a, a year in a, not a different type of basketball role before going to Kent state your first year, what, what led to going to Kent state your first go around and what was that yeah. like in terms of finding that amount of success there? I think that, um, you know, at that particular time, I wanted to, I just wanted to coach and Stan Heath and I were good friends. He got the job here and, and, uh, you know, he just, he, he wanted me to, to join him. And, and I was very fortunate. It's just, you know, that was the, the best decision I've ever made in my life. That 10 years, after 10 years, become a, a head coach at the program. You're what nerves do you remember having when you realized that the keys to the castle now belong to you? Yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot harder to be the head coach than just to be an assistant coach. So just the organization, the way you have to handle personnel, the way you deal with all the players, the decisions you make on recruiting, um, all the other things that come administratively with being the head basketball coach at, at any school. Um, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. And then, uh, you know, but you, but I was prepared. I mean, I was prepared because every year that I was an assistant, you know, in my own mind, I was going over situations. Okay, how, how would I have handled this? What would I have done here? Guess what? They weren't always right. Sure. But at the same time, you know, you make those decisions, you stick with it and, and uh, not be afraid to adjust your plans. And, and again, I inherited a good group of, of young people and was fortunate to have a lot of success. Mentioning that success, is there a maybe a, a, a moment or a season that you guys would make the you know postseason, whether it be a regular season and conference championship or NIT and or NCAA tournament run that sticks out to you in terms of the highest quality of Kent State basketball? I think every single time you get to the NCAA tournament, it's a it's a life changing moment for whoever has not experienced it. So, no, I think every moment is its own great time and a great reward for everybody there. But it's just fun for me. It was so fun for me. Um, to watch kids cut nets down sure. when you know all the backstories, right? Yeah. With their families, their family history, things that they've been through personally that nobody really knows. Um, to watch those kids celebrate at those times that they've been able to overcome all of those things. Like th those are the reasons why you coach. There is no sure. other reason. Two, over the course of two years, while you first go around with Kent State, you play against your your alma mater URI twice. Um, you beat them once. You lose to them once as a coach, but then also being a, on the other side of it. What was that like to play against URI? Um, success well. You know, uh, I I mean I take pride. The uh, Ryan Center. My team was the first one to ever win in there. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's fun. But again, it was fun. I mean, Jim Barron was the coach at the time, phenomenal coach, good guy, great friend. Um, you know, we beat them there with Antonio Gates. They beat us here um, at home. We didn't lose many times at home. So that was a tough night. And anytime you lose at home, it's not a good night. When you lose at home to your alma mater, you're kind of happy and sad. I was happy sure. for Jim Barron. It was a great win. It was a great win for them. But uh, um, it was actually a great thing for our team because I think we rolled right after that game. Um, we started really playing well. Speaking of that, you know, Antonio Gates, who goes on to have a legendary career in the NFL, what was that like to have someone who was a, a talent on, in two sports back then? Well, he really – nobody knew he was that good of a football player, um, but he was an unbelievable athlete. And I, like I said, in all my years of college basketball, I haven't seen anybody better. He's a 6'3", 260-pound, positionless guy who could do anything on the basketball court. You know, again, took us to a game from the Final Four. Had some other great players on that team, sure. um, but no question, you know, he was the hardest guy to guard. After the after your t- first go around Kent State, you, you shared some time between TCU and Ohio. What was that like to want to play or, or play then in the Mountain West Conference of, of TCU? Yeah, the Mountain West was was really loaded back then. I think we had three top – 15 teams, you know, so I, 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 uh, I was probably, a, it was the first time I had taken a job that uh, was probably one of the lower level jobs in the league. And those are tough, but great people. I mean, I enjoyed all my experiences at every school I've been to. I've really enjoyed it um, and just uh, make the most out of best of everything that I could do. Eventually, you know, after go- returning back to Ohio, you make it back to Boston where you're with BC and after playing at BU in Massachusetts, what was it like to return back to Boston, but then now as a coach for probably a, a, another big school compared to BU? Yeah, I love Boston. It's such a beautiful city, man. Great people. Boston College has has phenomenal people in it. I made, again, so many close friends. And um, just, I, I mean, for seven years I was there, I really, really loved everything about the city of Boston. It's just, to me, it's uh, my wife who's from here didn't want to leave, <laughs> but she was, if it wasn't here, I don't know if she would have left, but sure. uh, again, there was some great moments, um, you know, from when we beat the number one team in the nation Duke to some tough moments. And I just think from every situation you grow, you learn, sure. get better. Um, and uh, you know, again, as always, every school I've ever been at, I, I'm always looking to see how they're doing. I'm always rooting for them, whoever it might be. And sure. definitely we can keep in touch with all the players, make sure hopefully they're doing well. And, they all know that they can always come to me with anything I can do to help them. They don't never hesitate. So um, it's what it's all supposed to be about. It's all part of uh, the process of, of a career. I mean, you've coached at several different institutions throughout your coaching career compared to maybe let's say TCU in the mountain West or BC or Kent state, you know, there's certain, obviously there's conferences that are are legendary and well-known. Is there a different level of, um, preparedness that you put into as a head coach in, in these different institutions or is it practically no the same i think thing? i think every game to every coach is important as, as as hell and i think every game you go as prepared as you can whether it's a division three team whether it's duke or carolina you're looking for ways that you can um utilize the, the talents of the guys on your team and, and win a basketball game and i think that's the beauty of it so i coached close to 700 of them Sure. Um, so I think it's important that like every game that you try to come in with some type of plan or some type of just do guys know that they're prepared for anything that they're going to see anything that could possibly happen. Um, and that's, that's the, that's the competitive nature of anybody coaching. 
you returned back to Kent State, as as we said. What's what was it like to know that you were, this was open the the position, but also that you'd be coming back to an institution that you had such success and memories with? Yeah, I didn't even know it was open. I it wasn't. I didn't apply. It was a, like a kind of a created position, um, and I think uh, I'm lucky because you know I'm uh, I'm in a different role now as an assistant AD for basketball. I'm kind of like a consultant that's that that gives. Uh, you know, the best man of my wedding is the head coach. I coached half the staff. Um, it's an area that I know and a place that I love. So uh, I'm just happy. This is, this is, this is home for me now and I'm loving it. Where, where, I mean, with, with what you accomplished as a head coach at this school, what do you hope this season turns out to be for the program this year? And where do you think they well, can go? Yeah. I mean, the, the head coach we have, Rob Senderoff is one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, we have some great players returning. I think, you know, sky's the limit. You know, I mean, I, like like every season, I think the sky's the limit. You want us? I want to see this team um, do everything they can do because they deserve it. They work extremely hard. These coaching staff that I'm working with, they work extremely hard. They're unbelievably talented. Some some are young, young coaches who are going to be phenomenal in this business. So just to be around it every day is exciting. How much do you find yourself? And maybe it's not even happening. Find yourself trying to give advice, but having to, but then realizing, let me just let, let him try to do his thing. Let's see what he can do. I let him do his thing every single day. And if he comes to me with something or any of them come to me with something, I just, you know, give him my, my answer, my thoughts, you know, and it doesn't mean it's right. Like I said, I don't have all the answers, but I do know where potholes are. Sure. So I think sometimes it's, it's helpful that they can ask and just say, Hey, is I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Or some of the coaches will talk about this or that. And um, it's just fun. It's just, uh, you know, kind of grandfatherly. <laughs> sure. I, I want to ask you about our alma mater. You know, uh, they have a new coach this year, Archie Miller from Date, who I experienced at Date and then Indiana, of course. You know, you, the last few years, you or I had a lot of ups and downs with sort of more downs than ups in, in some areas. Yeah. What do you hope this new era of basketball is brought in with, with Archie Miller? Well, first of all, Thor, I think, did an unbelievable job uh, getting Archie Miller to be the head basketball coach at University of Rhode Island. And that's not taking anything away from previous coaches. I thought they were terrific as well. Um, but I know Archie and I know what he's, what he's about as a person, what he's like as a coach. I've competed against his teams. Um, you know, I think that, that he's a home run um, and I think they're going to do phenomenal. Nobody's rooted harder for them than me. I sent him a text and I sent Thor a text when they made the decision to hire him, how, how, as an alum, how happy I was that, uh, that they hired such a phenomenal coach and, and, and uh, he's hired a phenomenal staff. So I think, uh, you know, like everybody else, they, everybody needs, you or I needs to be a little patient and understand yeah. that he's implementing new things sure. that, that might take, but over the course of time, I think uh, sky's the limit over there as well. I think he's, I mean, again, as a, as a URI alum, there's not a better person uh, who could be running that program. And, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for them and, and, and his entire staff. Great people, great coaches. Should be a lot of fun. Exactly. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to what he can bring to the table. Before we, we end here today, and again, I thank Coach so much for taking the time to come on this week. I want to end on a little segment called the One Word Challenge. So what this is, I'll throw a few names of people or places or things that have some connection to Coach Christian today. He has to do his best to say a word or two or a sentence that best comes to mind when he hears it. So are you oh ready? Uh, first one, Beth Page, New York. Home. Uh, Kingston, Rhode Island. Uh, where where I found where I became a man. Uh, Keeney Gym. Most special place ever. The Max Center. 
Oh God. Um, that's where they could probably sprinkle my ashes one day. <laughs> uh, success. Happiness. Uh, Tom Penders. One of the best coaches I've ever been around. Tom, uh, Tom Garrick. Oh, man. Hardest working, most humble person I've ever met in my life. And last but certainly never least in this cosmic universe we all live in called Earth, Jim Christian. Um, a man at peace, a man that's happy, <laughs> a man that loves his family. Hey, well, that's all I can ask for. Well, Coach, I want to say thanks a bunch for taking the time to do this. I know the season coming up and all your other activities and uh, things you've got going on, I, I appreciate it. Anytime. I appreciate it. You are unbelievably knowledgeable. I've done a lot of these. I've never, ever had anybody as knowledgeable. There were things I didn't even remember that you've researched. Well, that's why you got to make it worth it, because I'm not just going to have you come on here and be like, oh, great. I got to talk to this blonde haired boy from uh, Rhode Island about about stuff. But now next time we know, because by the time this guy right here gets inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, you're going to say, holy crap, I should subscribe back then. Subscribe, follow, comment, share. All that fun jazz. Follow on Twitter, Nolan Clare Knight. Please uh, please say hello to your dad for me. Yes, I certainly will. Coach, is there anything that you'd like to share or put out there for people if they're around your area or, or basketball fans? No, no, I appreciate it. This was really fun, man. This was, uh, this was unbelievably fun. Thank you oh, so much. Of for course. Well, in the words of Johnny Carson, the dean of talks, although mine's not like this, but in the degree it is, yes, I bid you a heartfelt good night. Till next time, take care. <laughs>